You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Get this out of the way. A year ago, June, they told me that I had cancer in my voice box. They treated it with chemotherapy and radiation, and we had three three-month checkups that were clear, and then in September, the doctor said, well, I think the cancer is back, so then that requires a laryngectomy, where they remove my voice box, and uh, I'll speak with the prosthesis. From what I can tell, it's not bad, probably not a whole lot different than what I have now. Uh, the doctor originally said that 75% of the patients in my situation recovered 80 to 90% of their voice, and the other 25% become country singers. So, uh, my first album is out in December. I was in Texas last week, and I picked up the belt, the boots, the bolo, and the 10-gallon hat. Uh, I love being here, love your pastor, love his wife and family. Uh, such a blessing. I just preached for his dad. When he was a teenager, he preached for Mrs. Governant's dad when she was younger. And they used to preach for Brother Russ's family, his dad and his grandpa. And so glad to be here and see what the Lord is doing. Mark chapter 5. And stand with me as it's your custom. Begin reading along as I read out loud in verse 22. I should mention my sisters with Connie Johnson and uh, our nephew Mason just married Connie's daughter. And they're, they're a great family from everything. I've just met her today, but my sister has really raved about you all. Behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come, and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. And Jesus went with him. And much people followed him and thronged him. And a certain woman which had had an issue of blood twelve years, and had suffered, here is the first recorded mention of government-run health care, had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing better, but rather grew worse. When she heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, If I may but touch his clothes, or touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway, the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou, Who touched my clothes? All oh, the disciples loved to correct the Lord Jesus. He told them he was going to be crucified. They said, no, 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 that's not going to happen. And they argue with him now. 
you shouldn't worry about that, all these people around you. Be really careful when you think you're smarter than God. Oh, I'd never do that. Well, I don't know. Sometimes he says you ought to go back and give that person a tract, but we're smarter. Sometimes he says you should apologize to that person, but we know better. Sometimes he says uh, you need to go to an altar and do business with me, but we can just take care of it in our seat. Disciples love to argue with Jesus. He looked round about her, her to see her that had done this thing. Verse 33. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. That's a good idea. Be honest with the Lord Jesus. And while... Uh, and he said unto your daughter, Thy faith hath made thee all go in peace. Behold thy plague. While he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? So we all are in law enforcement. But I, be, I was a sheriff's chaplain for 20 years. If I had ever made a death notification like that one, I'd have been fired from my volunteer job. Cold, callous, heartless. Hey, she's dead, never mind. As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. Would you say that together with me, everybody? Be not afraid, only believe. You did well, let's try it again. Be not afraid, only believe. And he suffered no man to follow him, but say, Peter, James, John, the brother of James. And he came into the house of the ruler of the synagogue. See, the tumult, them that wept and wailed greatly. And when he was come in, he said unto them, Why make ye this ado and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. And the men, and they laughed him to scorn. But when he put them all out, he taketh the father and the mother of the damsel, and them were with him. And everything where the damsel was lying, took the damsel by the hand, and said unto Talitha Cumai, which is being interpreted, Damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And straightway, the damsel arose and walked, and they were astounded with the great astonishment. Lord, thank you for the privilege of being with these dear people, this wonderful church. Sure to love Brother Cobra and the good people of Victory Baptist Church, and I want to be a help to them, but I can no more help them than you help me. So, Spirit of God, would you please empower and direct me that it may say everything but only the things that you once said. Bind Satan and the unclean spirits that serve him and keep them from their intended purpose of snatching the seed of your word out of the soil of our hearts. Help us to receive gladly what you have for us. And help us to act obediently to what you tell us. If there are those in this room that don't know, 
if they die today, whether or not they have a home in heaven, would you help them how much you love them? How eager you are to spend eternity with them. And how easy it is for them to know that all their sin is forgiven and they have a place with you forever. Meet with us, please, and we'll thank you for all that you do in Jesus' name. Amen. May be seated. A man comes to Jesus with a request. It's a request of fervor. He besought him greatly. It's a request of feeling. He said, my little daughter lieth sick with a fever. It's a request of faith. He said, if you'll come and you'll touch her, I know she'll be made old. And Jesus has a response. Hey, we're doing good. That's point two. He goes with him. Ah, the Lord Jesus, if you trust in him as your Savior, is always with you. He never leaves you, never forsakes you. He's the friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And he went with him. But on the way, there's a lady in the crowd. She had a chronic problem. Now, Jairus' daughter's problem was critical, urgent, life and death. This lady could have been dealt with in a month, a week, a day, a year. It didn't really matter a lot. But she had this idea. I've heard what Jesus does. I've heard that he heals people. I bet you if I could touch the, bar, the border of his garment, I'd be made whole. She did, and she was. And Jesus stopped. Who touched my clothes? She came. She told him all the truth. And the Lord Jesus said, Go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee old. He was making a very important point. Ma'am, you were not saved because you touched my garment. Nobody is helped because they touched the bone of a dead saint. Nobody's healed because they bought a prayer cloth from some rascal on the television. No, you're helped because you had faith. Everybody who ever gets to heaven gets there by faith. For by grace are you saved through faith. Now, God wants you to go to heaven. There's a problem. The Bible says all of sin comes short of the glory of God. I don't have too much trouble persuading people about that. I think I've met two people in their life told me they never sinned. They were sinning when they told me that. But the next part's pretty bad news. We're in really serious trouble with God because of our sin. The wages of sin is death. If I have to pay for my sin myself, or you have to pay for your sin yourself, we have to die and go to hell. Well, I'll be good. I'm glad you want to be good. Well, you just sin's not being good. It's death. Well, I'll get baptized. We're so glad. These folks got baptized. Another one getting baptized tonight. Wonderful. But the wages of sin is not getting baptized. The wages of sin is death. Well, I'll join the church. This is a great church. If you're not a member of a good church, you're from this area. Man, if I moved to this area, I wouldn't even visit another church. 
I'd walk into Victory Baptist Church the first Sunday I was here, and I'd say, if you'll have me, I'd like to be part of this wonderful church family. But wages of sin is not joining the church. Wages of sin is death. And God doesn't want us to die and go to hell. He loves you. He doesn't want anybody to go to hell. He was not willing that any should perish. But you got to do something about your sin. So he sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who has always been God, but became man in Bethlehem's manger. Was born of a virgin, lived perfectly for a third of a century. And then he went to the cross and he bled and died. And the Bible says Christ died for us. It says Christ died for our sins. Hey, wait a minute. If the wages of sin is death and Jesus died on the cross for our sin, I guess he paid the wages of sin. Yeah, that's why the Bible says the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Hey, the question today is not what are you going to do about your sin? It's what are you going to do about God's Son? Amen. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Nobody gets to heaven except by faith. And nobody lives a God-honoring, Christ-pleasing Christian life except by faith. Without faith, the Bible says it's difficult to please God. So it says, without faith it is impossible to please God. So he makes the point, good point. Only trouble is, he delays going to see Jairus' daughter. Can you imagine Jairus during these moments? frustrated, anxious, antsy, jumping into bed, saying, come on, Lord, come on. My daughter's dying, so I told you she's at the point of death. You need to come now. Get up her now. And as soon as he gets done with that lady, they come from the ruler of the synagogue's house, and they say, your daughter's dead. Now, it's early <coughs> in the ministry of our Lord. They knew he could make blind people see, lame people walk, deaf people hear, lepers to be cleansed. They had no idea that he could raise people from the dead. Yeah, man. In the New Testament, only three times the Lord Jesus raised anybody from the dead. This one, Jairus' daughter, the son of the widow of Nain, and Lazarus. By the way, they were all onlys. His only daughter, his only son, Mary and Martha's only brother. <coughs> and Jairus hears this devastating news. And Jesus turns to him. We send a request and response. Now we see a reassurance. He says, Be not afraid. Hey common words in the New Testament. And then he says, only believe. Amen. Here's the dynamic that's going on. <coughs> Jairus had it figured how Jesus would help his daughter. Probably because of things he'd seen before, what the Lord Jesus had done. 
Esau maybe put clay on the eyes of blind men, make him see. Esau maybe touch other people that had infirmities and heal them. And he said, Lord, you come and you touch her and she'll be healed. And the Lord Jesus deliberately get let the situation go beyond Jairus' ability to see any hope or any resolution. See, we're like Jairus. We got figured out what Jesus can do. Well, maybe I'll get a raise. Maybe they'll give me a bonus. Maybe I'll win the lottery. I win the lottery all the time by not playing. <laughs> best way to win, best payout. Maybe my rich aunt will have the decency to finally kick the bucket and leave me some money. <laughs> maybe this medicine, maybe this treatment, maybe this doctor, maybe this counselor, maybe this help. And God lets it go beyond where anything we can imagine would take place. And then he comes to us when like Jairus, we think there is no help and see no hope. And he says, say it with me, be not afraid, only believe. He said, Jairus, you don't need new faith. You don't need more faith. You don't need different faith. But you must continue to exercise the faith you have. Amen. I don't know your problem. I don't know your need. But I know this, the answer is be not afraid, only believe. You don't need new faith, more faith, different faith, but you dead certain need to keep on exercising the faith you already have. <clears throat> See, we get saved by faith, and then we want to live by figuring, by finagling by scheming, by planning, by organizing. Our first response when trouble comes is to try to figure some way to take care of it. And God deliberately gets us past those points where we can figure it out because he wants us to trust in him. Amen. Jeannie Martins and her family joined our church many years ago, two beautiful daughters. She and her husband. She taught at a Christian school in our area, not the one our church operated, but one nearby. And one day her husband left. Just took off. And now on the salary of a Christian school teacher, Jeannie goes and works all day. Comes home, does all the cooking, all the cleaning, all the laundry. And pays all the bills. And Make sure the oil is changed and the faucet leak is fixed and the trash is taken out. Well, most wives do that anyway. <laughs> they do that by nagging their husband. Oh. Hey, listen, ladies, if you ask your husband to take out the trash, you don't need to remind him about it. You'll be gone in six months. <laughs> or so. One day she came in my office. She put a piece of paper on my desk. At the bottom on one side were three stick figures and the other side was one stick figure. In the middle was a big heart, a 
jagged line drawn through the center of the heart to show that it was broken. She said, my young daughter Kelly gave this to me and she said, Mom, that's how I feel now that Dad's gone, now that he left us. And then she said, what do I tell her? I answered with words I've found immensely helpful in such situations through all these years. I said, I don't know. I don't know. You know what happened? Nothing. No white knight came to rescue her. No large sum of money given to them. No major father figure came in to mentor those girls. But you know what Jeannie Martins did? That's what she did. She kept on believing. She stayed in church. She kept her kids in the youth group. She made sure that she tried to love and honor God and have family devotions and be a good example. And I lived to see the day where I had the privilege of performing the wedding ceremonies of both of those young ladies to find Christian man. I don't know what your problem is, but I know the answer. You don't need new faith. You don't need more faith. You don't need different faith. But you must keep exercising the faith that you have. Would you say it again? Be not afraid, only believe. My uh, dad got saved when he was 21. Began to witness to his family. His mother had been Methodist. Turned out she was saved. His dad was Catholic. He led some of his siblings to Christ. He was the sixth of seven children. And uh, some of his nieces and nephews, but my grandpa would never get saved. One night, my Aunt Ruthie called and said to my dad, Ken, if you want to see dad again, he's got emphysema. Maybe a few weeks, maybe a few months, maybe a few days, but you ought to come pretty soon. My dad loaded up the car that night. I'm the oldest of five me and then three girls and my brother Paul and uh, Beth I remember couldn't have been more than six seven years old was crying and she said hurry daddy go see grandpa let before it's too late dad drove all night Michigan to Massachusetts went straight to the hospital went to see my grandpa said dad Something happened to me 17 years ago. My grandpa said, I know it, son, you've been different. Wow. He shared the gospel again. And he said, won't you get saved? And my grandpa lying there dying of emphysema said, no. Oh. My dad said, why not? My grandpa said, son, all these years I've worked for everything I've got. Raised seven children through the Depression. Dad was born in 1927. Never went on the dole, never took a dime from anybody. To think that the only way I can get to heaven is by accepting a gift. I don't think I can do that. By the way, only way you'll ever get to heaven is by accepting God's gift of everlasting life. See, when you're offered a gift, you only have two choices. You can take it or you can turn it down. Look at that guy shaking my hand in the middle of church. You know why? Because I offered him a handshake. Now, there's a lot of ways
ways he could have rejected it. He could have pretended he didn't see me. He could have told me he's got a cold. He could have said, I don't shake hands with ugly, bald, white guys. <laughs> but if he did anything other than reach out and take my hand, he turns it down. Right. Only way you'll ever get to heaven, by accepting a gift. If you don't know for sure that you have home in heaven, you can know before you walk out of this room today. Absolutely guaranteed from the word of God. But you have to accept it. You have to say, yes, Jesus, I'm willing to trust in you. My dad said to his dad, would you like to see my mother again? Grandma said, yes, she's a good woman. We had a lot of good years together. And dad said, the only way you'll ever see her again is if you'll trust Jesus as your Savior. Wow. You can think what you want about this. My grandpa said, all right. He prayed, asked the Lord Jesus to save him. Wow. Amen. Doctor came in, Mr. Willette, we have to give your father some blood, blood transfusion. Dad said, you go ahead. He's just been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. Wow. In the kindness of God. My dad had a revival meeting scheduled in the nearby town of Warren, Massachusetts. If you're from the Northeast, Warren, Brimfield, Palmer, all those towns are near Worcester. If you're not from the Northeast, they're near Worcester. But if you're from the Northeast, they're near Worcester. And we went back. I remember two things about my grandpa. Number one, he was missing his middle two fingers. They were cut off in a saw accident. And I was just intrigued as a boy to watch him take a tissue out of the tissue box with his index and little fingers. I'm easily impressed. <laughs> Whatever your trick is, come show me later. I'll like it. And number two, my grandpa would sit in his big easy chair smoking pell-mell cigarettes. You probably call them pell-mell, but in Detroit we call them pell-mell. And watching television until the test patterns came on. Yeah, so we have no idea what that is. We were not always cursed with 24-hour television. It ended one or two in the morning. They had a test pattern, and you used that to tune your television. Well, we went back. My grandpa still sat in his easy chair, and he still smoked cigarettes. But now. He's reading a large print Bible my dad had given him. And now we come back every night from the meeting, and he looks at my dad and says, Son, did anybody get saved tonight? What did my dad do different? Nothing. Nothing. No, no. Just kept on believing. Just kept on witnessing. Just kept on exercising the faith that he had. I don't know what your problem is. Well, today it's me. Well, I'll be gone tomorrow and you'll be back to your own preacher. But I know the answer. You don't need new faith. You don't need more faith. You don't need different faith. But you do need to keep on exercising the faith that you have. Say it with me one more time. Be not afraid. Only believe. Oliver Cromwell. It's called the one strong man in England. He
had taken over from a regime that was Roman Catholic. He was Protestant. We are not Protestant. We're Baptist. We didn't protest against and leave the Roman Catholic Church in the Reformation. We never were part of it. But uh, he was strict, and they felt he had to be harsh rules. One day a soldier, young soldier, committed an offense. We wouldn't have thought it was all that bad, but it had the death penalty. Cromwell said, you'll be hanged when curfew rings. The young soldier was engaged. His beautiful fiance went to Cromwell, pled for the life of her loved one. Cromwell was moved, but he said, I'm so sorry. If I let him off, everybody else think they can get away with anything they want. Your fiance will hang at the ringing of curfew. But she didn't give up. She kept on believing. She went to the bell tower. She climbed up to the top. At great risk, she climbed over the edge of that gigantic bell, wrapped her body around the clapper. And when the old deaf sextant came to ring the curfew, the bell swang back and forth like it always did. But this time, instead of the clang of metal against metal, there's a dull thud of her flesh against metal. Curfew King went by, the bell never rang. Cromwell went to see why it had not rung, and the young lady had climbed down the bell tower. The poet records their encounter with these words. At his feet, she told her story. Showed her hands all bruised and torn, and her young, sweet face, still haggard with the anguish it had worn, touched his heart with sudden pity lit his eyes with misty light. Go, your lover lives, cried Cromwell. Curfew shall not ring tonight. Be not afraid, only believe. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.